This is the Fade You Podcast, episode 44, April 15th, 2021. Welcome to the show. Hello to all the dads out there and the moms. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you are following us on Twitter at Fade You Sports and make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you might be listening. We appreciate that. We appreciate your support. My name is Matthew James, joined as always by Kmart. Nice haircut, buddy. Thanks, man. Now I can't run my fingers through your hair anymore. It's I gone. Know, that's why I did it. It's getting a little creepy. <laughs> Chris Duke is back. Chris, you sell any doors and windows today? Not today, but 60000 on the month. We're going to make it a good month. Is that good? It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We got a really special guest joining us tonight. Uh, we really appreciate his time. Adam Trigger is here. He is from Top Flight Sports. He is on Twitter at Top Flight SI. Adam, thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Kmar, I, did, I didn't recognize you when I, when I first logged in. I met you a couple oh. weeks ago, and you, had, you still had the hair. So I, I literally just did it last night. I finally <laughs> just said, screw it. I'm taking the shears, and I'm going to let it grow back for summer. Yeah. I think it looks good like this. So, you know. Thank it, you. Well, that makes one of us. <laughs> all right. Uh, Adam, just, I guess, first of all, just maybe talk about how you got into this sports betting space. How'd you get your start? How did you end up, you know, you've been doing this a lot longer than we have. We're just kind of a, a startup here, but just how did you get started in this and, and how did you get to where you're at now? Yeah. So the way I got started in terms of kind of doing what I'm doing now, uh, I, wrote I did analysis for a small sort of company that that did this when I was in college so they would pay me like per diem to do the write-ups and the analysis for them and it, it was just it I think it was a pretty small well, it was definitely a bigger operation than me which is just myself uh but the the gentleman needed someone the gentleman that ran it was looking for someone to do the written analysis. And so I would, he basically would pay me for each piece I did, I guess the same way like a freelance writer would get paid um, just for, for the analysis for the game. And I did that for a couple of years, just as sort of a hobby. Um, I was always sort of into sports. I was an athlete in high school, a huge sports fan. And I got into sports betting in, in college, which would have been so I graduated college in 2008, right around that time, right around 2008, 2009, I started doing the freelance writing for a couple of well, first this website and then a couple of different websites. And I just kind of, I realized that the industry was not regulated at all. And pretty much anyone could give out a pick, which it's still like that to an extent, but it's getting better. And so at the time I said, you know what, I feel like. I can do this just as good as anyone else is doing this out there. And, and so after having a, a year or two of experience, just, you know, doing the, doing the written work for someone else, I said, I, I really want to try to do this myself. And a friend of mine and I started top plate sports. We had the idea probably in like 2011 or 2012. And we actually started it in terms of like, we have the website built, and we started selling our plays in 2013 and, and it's kind of grown from there. He, he, we went our separate way. He ended up um, starting a gym, you know, he, he fell off. He wanted to do something else. And so I, I've been on my own 
for about the last five years. And I've just kind of continued to grow it and sort of grind, you know, each day, just trying to get a little bit more exposure, pick up another client. And I, I just think, you know, if I keep doing that, it, it'll, it'll continue to grow. So that's, that's kind of how I started it. And that's how we've gotten here. That's awesome. And just to be clear, top flight is not the shitty golf ball. We talked about this before we started recording, not the shitty golf ball, not the shitty golf ball. And and that no. So, so when, when I first met Kelly Stewart, she was basically like, why did you name your, why did you name your, uh, your like company after your, your business after like a, like a crappy golf ball. And (laughs) I don't golf and I didn't even really understand that reference until I realized I do know that top flight is a golf ball, but we chose the name top flight because we're soccer fans. And in, when you're referring to the top soccer leagues in Europe, they often call it the top flight. It's the top league. It's the top flight. So we kind of ripped that off from soccer and it's just kind of stuck since, but I thought that was funny that Kelly thought it was, was, you know, the golf ball and when she she gave me a shout she gave me a little shout out on kelly and murray and and she kind of just went into that i thought that was funny though <laughs> so how important you know for people who are starting to bet starting to try to you know make picks themselves and how important is that grind of trying to just you know, put in the time, research, improve, because uh, it, it's it's something that a lot of people are getting into. You know, another state just legalized sports betting today. I saw uh, that. Arizona. Uh, this is going to be something that leagues are now going to encourage. Oh yeah, fa- fans to bet in stadiums, in arenas. Um, a lot of people want to bet, and a lot of people bet poorly. So how important is finding a process that works for you and, and putting in the time to really fine tune that? Well, I mean, it, it is, it's everything really. And I think that, you know, for someone like myself or someone that's, that's done it for a long time to be able to educate the newer betters to not, because here's the thing, like me and almost anyone else that you come across that is, is successful at this now spent years of messing things up. I lost constantly in my early twenties. Like I wasn't a winning, it took me probably. So I probably, I started betting sports when I was 18. I don't think I was like consistently profitable until I was 25 maybe. So it took seven years of like, like, getting knocked down or doing something a certain way and then kind of having to go back and saying, well, why isn't this working? Or, you know, I'm I, like, you know, what can I, what can I do to improve to sort of get to the point where I was confident enough in my process and the information I was looking at and the way I was reading the market and reading the lines to, to really be profitable. And, and so I think, that what, you know, you mentioned the grind. I mean, that's really everything. I I think that, you know, just if you're, if you're starting off and you're brand new, you you have to pretty much accept the fact that that might happen to you at some point. At the same time, if you can, you know, if you can just listen or pick things up from people that have done this for a long time, 
you, you, you know, you might minimize the sort of period of the, the, the rough patch at the beginning where, you know, you might make some, some, what we would consider like rookie mistakes, which everyone kind of makes. And it's almost, it's almost like, there's almost no way to, it's really difficult to understand what that even means until you actually do it. So I, I think the, that, that whole grind aspect that it really is, I mean, you, you know, you're going to have, I mean, I'm in the middle of a, a patch right now where I, you know, I won seven straight to close last to end last week. And I, you know, Sunday night being the seventh in a row with the heat. And now this week I can't hit anything. So it's just like, it, it's going to constantly ebb and flow and, I think that the people that actually end up being successful um, and, and then can turn a profit betting on sports um, have can take emotion out of it and really just understand that it's a, it's a very long-term process. And over the course of, you know, whatever that period of time may be, whether it's a year, six months to a year, we'll, we'll just use as like a, like a sort of a time frame. you know, hitting 55, 56%, 57% is really, really good. And that might be achieved by hitting seven straight, losing five, hitting three, losing two, losing four, but like battling back and hitting like two or three. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's such a grind. And I don't, I think where new sort of new betters trip up is I don't think they understand like what a battle it is just to, to bet sports every day. It's really difficult. Chris, somebody Absolutely. who is somebody who's losing the battle right now, Chris is, is Dennis. <laughs> I was going to do a Dennis record check earlier, but there is no Dennis record check. Cause he hasn't bet for eight days. Now Dennis isn't a new better, but he falls into some of the same traps that it, it, he just never learns. But Chris, what's going on with him? Yeah, he's sitting out right now. Um, I think he's, he texted me, he said, yeah, bad week with the ponies and masters. None of his masters futures hit. So he's, he's chilling, but he'll, he'll come back. He loves basketball. He'll come back with, with basketball and stuff like that. But um, yeah, I mean, that's amazing. You know, Adam's story. I mean, that's, that's what we wanted to talk to him about. Dennis is the kind that doesn't have the keys, the kind that will bet a first half. And then if it doesn't hit, he'll chase second half he'll chase another game. He'll be like, Oh my God, there's a Sunday night football game on. Let's take the over to the favorite. So that's what I wanted to get in to Adam, you know, with talking about like how reserved you have to be, you know, to, cause you say, you know, you go seven and oh, and then you go one and four, like that, that's going to frustrate the average better goes, what the heck am I doing wrong? Like I've got to switch up what I'm doing. Maybe I need to bet more, but Adam, you do a great job of really, consolidating your picks and you know you don't need to do a lot of these professional guys think they can do four or five six a day it's so hard to be good at betting and grinding with that many picks what makes you want to like really just limit your picks and and you know just decipher on which ones are worth hammering and which ones are worth just staying away it's that's such a good question and honestly like that that is the whole battle and someone a while back explained it to me like this. And I, I honestly think like, this is, I kind of think about this every day um, when I'm trying to figure out, you know, I have three picks. Do I want to play them all? 
Do I want to like play the best one? It, it, I mean, it, it really is a conundrum. It's, it, it is the battle um, trying to figure out, you know, trying to trim your car down the plate, but here's someone explained it to me like this a, a ways back and it kind of stuck with me. Um, so like Chris, if you're, it, let's say you're the bookie. Okay. Um, your advantage against me is the fact that you're going to get, I'm going to have to lay minus 110 to you on every pick that I make. So as the, as the bookie or the bookmaker, your advantage is that you get odds on me, the player, just if we're betting against the spread, right. you get plus 110 on me. My advantage as the better is I don't have to bet every single game. Now you as the bookmaker, you have, you essentially have to bet every single game because you need to offer a line on every single game that that would in theory be your disadvantage. Whereas my advantage is I can look at the whole board. You have to put a line up on every single game and I can play one of those games. If I want, I can play two. I can look for whatever the discrepancy is or whatever the sort of the ideal spot is. That's like the one quote unquote mistake. Um, so that, so, and then just to sort of go off of that, because the book has that advantage on you in terms of every time me as the, as the better, every time I'm going to make a bet and I have to lay minus 110, the way I look at it is I almost, it, it, it makes the most sense for me in terms of um, if I'm trying to make money, I really want to make as few bets in my lifetime as possible because every single time I bet, I'm, I'm laying minus 110. If assuming we're betting against the spread, I'm laying minus 110 to the bookmaker. So if I'm a, so for me, the way I look at it is if I'm super high volume, you know, then that's, then I'm making exponentially more bets across my lifetime, which means I'm laying exponentially more juice and there's going to be more losses because there's more overall bets. And the more, and you can kind of start to see it. Like I'll start to see it when I get deep into a season where like I got to the end of college basketball, I was 16 or 17 games over 500 on my picks, but my net units really weren't that high. And, and it's because across 217 selections, I pay, I lost, but also paid juice. I was like 117 and hundred for the season. I still had to pay juice on hundred of well my my 100 losses if you're at i mean and i did the math if you're averaging a half unit of juice i'm just throwing that out there as a just to make a round number but let's say you're averaging a half unit of juice per loss that's 50 units over the and i'm just using units as like a just a standard sort of reference point you know your unit could be anything that's like 50 units over the course of the season so if I was like a higher volume player playing double that, the, the, you're, you're wasting a lot more money by simply just, you know, the, the number of bets you're making because it's, it's not a waste, but it's, you're, you're, you're giving more away because every time you lose, you're, you're paying that big. So I, I really right. think that it, it for me, and, and listen, there's a, there's a ton of different ways to approach this. I know high volume players that are very successful for me though. The way I look at it is the less that I need to bet or the, le- the, the less plays I need to make that I need to make to 
achieve the desired goal or to, you know, to get like over the course of the season, the fewer times I'm giving the bookmaker the opportunity to get plus 110 against me. So that's kind of where my low volume strategy comes into play. And that's also kind of how I look at it because I really do think that your advantage as the better is the fact that you get to pick one or two games, whereas the bookie or the bookmaker, whatever you want to call it, they, they have to put every game on the board. up. So I think that's the biggest advantage for the better is that you, you get to pinpoint the game that you want to bet as opposed to being the, the bookmaker who has to put, you have to right. put a, a line in every game. You need to take action in every game. And so that's kind of always where I kind of derive the, the lower volume strategy because I just think over the course of time, one and oh, or two and one it is going to net you more profit than four and three or four. Mm-hmm. And, two. And, and that's just kind of, I've kind of always just operated under that and it, it seems to work. So. That's great. That's, that's great info. And I hope a lot of these betters that out there that are beginners and have, they look at their, all their bets during the week and they go, Holy shit, I made 200 bets last week. I hope they kind of reel back and go, that's how many times I paid the book on my losers. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. But that kind of leads me to my next question. You and I were texting earlier saying less is more this week. And you were hot with your baseball last week. You were, you went out and you took some of my poopy plays. You went with the A's against the Dodgers. Who on earth would do that? You <laughs> cash that. Who on earth would take the A's against the Astros when they were hot? You cash that. Um, you know, and you know, you could have even money lined those and cash. You took the one and a half, so you played it safe. But what do you? How does when it comes to baseball? Obviously, you're not paying when you're taking dogs. We know dogs are barking right now in the MLB. And I know you don't lay, you're not the kind of guy, you're not a moron, you're not going to go out there and lay minus 270 on a favorite. How do you do it with baseball? You've been, you were really successful with KBO and MLB last year. How do you do it with that? Because we know Matt and I talk, you know, three and three, when you're taking plus 125 dogs, you're going to get great profit. So it's a little bit of a different against the spread take, um, you know, than when you're playing basketball or football. Yeah, no, definitely. I think the biggest thing, for baseball and you mentioned the plus one and a half. So I'll, 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 you know, in hindsight, of course, the couple plus one and a half I've played have won outright. And, and then, so it's easy to look back and say, well, I, you know, I should have taken the money line. I probably left some money on the table. Um, the way I look at baseball is I, I just, I set, so just very, very simple before I even get into what I'm going to do for that. I'll never lay minus one and a half. I just throw that right out. It's a bad bet. It's a bad long-term bet. If you, if you absolutely need to play a big favorite, like a bigger favorite, there are ways to lay minus one, which I think is reasonable. Essentially, if you don't have a minus one option at your book, it's basically playing half your bet on the money line, half your bet on the run line. So it, so it would, you know, wash out. Um, unless the minus one and a half is, is juiced up in which case I'd probably just try to find another game. So I pretty much eliminate the minus one and a half. And I really just eliminate laying like anything minus 40 minus one forty and above. Mm-hmm. And I, I basically say the way I look at it is like this. It's like, I'd rather just find another game than be so locked in on something that's like minus minus one sixty and saying like, 
oh, like this is so, like I'm so in love with this team that I have to make a bet at minus 160 or minus 170. And if if that was the case, which is rare, but it could happen, I would lay the minus one. Or in that case, like so if you have a minus 150, you're you're probably gonna get a plus money run line. You can just do half and half. Um, but that, you know, just, just starting there kind of cuts off a, a good amount of the stuff that's on a board for the day. Uh, and then I, and then I look, I, I look for short priced underdogs for, for example, yesterday I had the giants, they were plus one Oh five. That's something I'm going to play on, on the money. I'm going to play the plus one Oh five because the, the, you know, I don't want to lay, I don't want to play plus one and a half if the juice is, you don't really want to lay juice on plus one and a half. Right. Consistently. That being said, I think one of the best baseball bets you can make is plus one and a half with a road team. Because, and the reason for that is if you've got the road team and you're plus one and a half, the home team, whoever you're betting against needs to beat you in one less at bat. Okay. And what that comes from is the fact that if the home team comes to the bat in the bottom of the ninth and they're winning the game, they're not going to bat. So you're either, you either have lost the bet in eight innings or if they're coming, if they're getting their ninth at bat, it means you're either tied or you're winning or it's, or they they're winning by one and the game is over. So it's one of it's from a value perspective, plus one and a half with a road team is one of the best bets. It's it's one of the best bets you could make. It's it's it, conversely, like someone like Dennis is probably going to lay that minus one and a half. It's like a total. <laughs> it's just a bad bet. It's a total sucker bet. The books price it out purposely to entice betters to lay that minus one and a half. And if you you know, on the road at least you get the at least you have the benefit of potentially like you know, winning in your final at bat or now the way the extra innings rule is it's tough to, you know, you, it's a little, it's, it's harder to um, play the plus one and a half with the home team. Cause you know, if it goes to extras, like the possibility of a big inning for the visitor is there now with the runner on second. Right. Um, but, you know, so that, that's kind of why I sort of play the plus one and a half in a lot of those spots instead of, playing the money line with the bigger money line. But again, it, it really comes back to you can, there's so many different ways to do it. I think that for baseball, just to keep it very simple, just don't lay it. Just don't lay a ton of juice. Mm-hmm. If you feel like right. you have to lay juice on something, but you need to, you need to accept the fact that it, nothing is a lock. Nothing is a sure thing. So you're really only betting numbers and you're only betting prices. And if you can just, and that's, I think a really difficult thing for like novice betters to understand is that if you see minus 150, even if you love it, it's still minus 150 and you're better off going elsewhere instead of saying like, but, but this is, but this is my game. Like this is the, the I love this matchup. I love this team because if, if you mess it, if you're not, if you mess that up a couple times and you take the minus 150 or the minus 160 hit to your just everyday betting, 
it, it's very difficult to overcome that over the course of like a year. So that's like something I would tell a, a novice baseball better is just avoid the big money lines. And mm-hmm. when in doubt, take the price. If you're not sure, take the plus 120. Because these yeah. teams play 162 games a year. And even the worst teams are winning 60 to 70 games. And the best teams are losing about 60 to 60 games. So there's almost no reason in baseball to ever lay uh, – like ever – lay uh vig or, or lay big juice but the the odds makers set it up so it's enticing to lay big juice with a certain pitcher or you know that's the biggest thing is is starting pitching will skew the the odds so you'll see out the i can't tell you how many times i i see it every day where you'll get a mediocre team but they have one of their best pitchers on the mound and all of a sudden they're minus one eight and and the not like the novice better bites every single time, and it's just like if you can just avoid doing that, like there's money to be made in baseball. But at, at the same token, it's very easy to lose money betting baseball because of of that as well. All right, let's take a super quick break, and then we'll come back and have some more with Adam. Well, wouldn't nice. wouldn't you say that, like for me, and we we kind of talked on this on a pod when we first started going, but betting baseball to me is a lot like betting soccer Um, in the sense of, if you think, think about what you were just saying with the run line. And I agree. I mean, I'll, I'll throw a Dodgers run line in there, but that's just because I'm not going to lay minus 300. Of course. Their pitchers and their hitters, even though it's still minus 170, I'm just like, fuck it. I'm going to play it. It's it's like a, Hey, kind of thing, but Apart from them, I don't think I've ever done it. Um, but, you know, I did research last year of a, almost a third of all MLB games end in one run. Oh, yeah, yeah. And to that, about a third of them, you know, end, you know, you cover that. So there's just that variance. And then if you think about soccer, um, you know, just how nothing's a lot. Because soccer, sure. you get a lot of those crazy, you know, minus 400s, even – even in the same game, you have a minus 400 to a minus 200, and then the draw is yeah. plus 110 because a draw happens in almost a quarter of every soccer game. So when you, when you like really think about that and how you go and capping games and, you know, what the actual smart, you know, bet is, uh, it, I don't know. I, I just think it's a good point to, to bring back up to uh, these listeners now that we have a few more. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it soccer is a great example. Like, that's, I mean, and that really adds a whole wrinkle being able to bet the draw, but that's a great way to bet soccer. If you, if you get a game where you're not sure, like, and it looks very close and you really can't decide either way. I mean, the the books are going to give you plus between plus 200 and plus 300. A lot of times just to bet the draw, which is a very, like you said, it's a, it's a, you know, 25 to 30% chance that uh, any given match is going to end in a draw so that's kind of where I look at the the plus one and a half strategy for baseball it's like you know if I can find it if I find it a side that I think has a chance and this goes to like the argument of like well you know Chris and I were talking like a couple of the plays we were we were a couple of plays I made the last couple weeks 
we were on the same side of and and we kind of got kicking back and forth. Well, do you money line it? Do you take the plus one and a half? I mean, it, 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 you could really make a case for both. I think, I think it's just a different like mindset for both, but I kind of look at it the way you just kind of explained it where, you know, we're going to like close to 30% of these games are going to be one, one run games. Um, so for me, knowing that I can get a side to that either win the game and I'm going to cash or I can lose a one run game. And I'm going to cash as long as that, that VIG is low enough on the uh, plus one and a half. It's like minus minus one twenty or lower. I'm almost going to always default to like taking them plus one and a half because I just, I just think it's going to give me a better chance to win long-term. I don't think it, it I don't think the payout on the money line is good enough a lot of times to justify leaving the plus one and a half on the table. That's a now, good explanation. You know That's what I mean? That is. Yeah. I just like it, 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 with that being said, and, and uh, uh, like juxtaposed to that, like you said, you're not going to like the other day I was telling you, I said, dude, I really want to fade Bundy. Like the Royals look juicy, right. As a plus plus one twenty home, like, and they win, but it's like, you're not going to lay minus one forty on the plus one and a half, you know? So like you're, that's, you're well, like, that's, you know, that's where I would draw the line. So that's, you know, once it gets to you, you start getting in a plus one twenty, plus one fifteen, where you're probably looking at a minus one forty on the plus one and a half. That's where you gotta, you gotta either what you can do is what I said earlier. You can you can make yourself a plus one, which is basically split your bet on the run line and the money line. So you're right. only you're, you're laying like a minus one ten minus 115 on a plus and some actually some of these sites are offering it it's funny like plus one in baseball was something that was offered like all the time like 10 years ago at like the offshore sites and then it went away completely and now I'm start I'm just starting to see it like roll back around where like even even like offshores and some of like the um you know, the books in New Jersey, I, I can't, I can't remember which ones off the top of my head, but some of them are, are they're starting to offer minus one and plus one again in baseball. But the thing was you, what you could always do if you didn't have the plus one or the minus one option, it's pretty simple. It's just bet the same amount on the run line and the money line, and you've got yourself a plus one and that you can, you can do that to sort of offset you know, if, it, if it's in that weird range where it's like a plus 120 money line and you're, you're looking at like a minus 140 on the, um, on the run line. Yeah. I would agree with you. I, I don't, I'm never going to lay minus 140 to take a plus one and a half. So I'm what I'm usually going to do in that scenario is, is make myself a plus one. I'm going to take half them. I'm going to put half on the, the run line, half on the money line. That way, if it, if it lands one, plus one, I, I push because my plus one and a half bet one, my money line bet lost. It's, it's the same thing. Um, but yeah. And then, and then if it gets too close, I, you know, I kind of just try to, you know, once you're getting into the plus one fifteen, plus one ten, plus one Oh five range, you don't want to lay a juiced up plus one either. It makes more sense just to take the small plus money like yesterday. The, you know, I, I, I'm not going to lay juice to bet, plus one with the giants. I'm just going to take the plus one Oh five. That's kind of how I look at it. Again, you there's, you can make a case for, you know, there's, there's some betters that, you know, they, they always, you know, they'll bet that plus money and they'll stick to 
the theory that if they get enough right and they're always getting a plus price, it's going to offset any juice that they would pay and they're going to net a bigger gain. And, and I'm like, I'm not, I don't disagree with that. I think there's just like other ways to do it. However, I think that if you just avoid laying consistently laying juice in baseball, you're, you're giving yourself a much better chance to win than if you're trying to pick winners on these like minus 140, minus 150, minus 160 type games. Right. And even the people like Dennis, like you said, they're going to lay minus 250 sometimes. And they don't realize that for every one they lose, they have to go back and win three to make up for that. And it's just not possible, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's how the books make a lot of money on baseball because think about it. That minus 250 is usually something like, now I know this game got rained out today, but it's, it's usually like your Jacob DeGrom at home against whoever, right? He's usually, he's going to be like your minus 250 favorite. Who lost last time he started? Well, that's the thing. Like that's, and if you, if you really think about it, I mean, even today, now the game got rained out, but he would have been at home, but he would have been p- pitching against Zach Eflin and the Phillies who are, I don't, you know, I'm pretty sure that at this point, the Mets and the Phillies are pretty even. I don't really know that you could differentiate one being better or worse than the other. It's, it's still pretty early on, but they've played a couple of times. They look like pretty even teams. And, but the, it's just the novice better just looks and, and says, Jacob DeGrom, Mets, that's give, give me the Mets. And, and, almost approaches that minus 250 as if it like can't lose until it we all know until it does and then like you said you are like yeah you know i mean we know how hard it is to win at all so to have to pick three winners to erase one mistake i mean you're just you you you've essentially put yourself into like a a, a almost impossible situation to recover from long term that's why you can't do it yeah well, and a lot of those same betters would take the Mets with the Grom and parlay it with the Dodgers or something like that because See, that, no, that's a, yeah yeah. See, now I'm actually possible. like that. That's how you bet those games, in my opinion. I I'm okay with that if like that's so much better than laying the minus one and a half or laying like just bridge jumping and trying to like lay minus three hundred to bet like Kershaw at home or something. You know, like. I would much, I would always say to someone like, listen, if you, if the two games you love are DeGrom at home minus 250 and Dodgers wherever minus, because you know the Dodgers every night at this point are minus two something, like parlay them together and then your bet is even money. That's your bet. So at this point, your bet is not minus 250, minus 270 or minus 240, minus 250. Your bet is even money. Now, you need two events to happen to hit your bet, which over it, it's probably not the best long-term strategy. But I have, I actually have no problem with the, you know, taking the two favorites, parlaying them, and then making a bet that's plus one ten. Even though you just have to understand, yeah, like I, I need two events to happen to hit this one bet. But at least you made yourself a plus one ten bet as opposed to like laying juice because well, so, right, if they went one and one you lost anyway you lost anyway well that's you would lose more than say you bet a hundred bucks than lose yes that. so it's 
if yeah, that's so why I don't, don't actually understand. Well, at least I got, they, they just like what I learned probably 10 years ago and I've never done it, but the best line I ever heard is gambling is like crack cocaine because <laughs> once you get that first hit, you just want to keep getting yeah. it because it's so addictive. I mean, that's what gambling is. You just want a winner. You don't really give a shit if it's minus 300 or if it's plus 300, you just want that thrill of, of being right. Honestly, I think yeah. that's what we all want. We want to be right. Whether we have a dollar on it or a thousand, we're going to handle it the same way because we don't want to be wrong. Sure. So I think, you know, that for the listeners, that's, you know, another point to kind of think about. Yeah. And, and you need to also decide what, what you're, you know, what kind of better you are and what you're doing it for. Like if you're, I mean, I know a lot of people, they just bet recreationally. And if, if you want to fire a four team parlay and, you know, take a shot because that's, you're just out having a good time, like go for it. Like that's, that's great. But there's, I mean, if you're trying to do this to turn a profit or to make money, then yeah, I mean, there's certain things that you, if, if you don't do, or if you, if you do certain things, I can almost guarantee that you will end up losing in the long run. And I think it goes back to, you know, laying the big juice, constantly betting parlays, um, stuff like that. Like you're just, you, it's, it's set up, you, it's set up for you to fail as it is. And, and you're playing right. You're playing into what the books want you to do exactly to fail. That's really, what it, that's, that's really what it is. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. And I mean, yeah, my buddy will hit me up and he'll be like, dude, I got a money line parlay going 14. I'm like, what do you, he's like, I'm risking a hundred to win 50. I'm like, dude, what the, f- like, how does that even get you? Like Kyle said, like, how does that get you high? Like take all the dogs or something money line. I'm like, cause you know, one's not winning. So, I mean, and that's just shit. Like we go back to people just get, like you said, Adam, it's a lock, right? Minus two fifty, minus minus. It's a lock. Yeah. And people just can't get that out of their heads up. There's no such thing. And that, if those hit all the time and were free money, then Vegas wouldn't be, you know, given the people the opportunity to bet that stuff, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Like even like every game can lose your game of the day can lose. Like, and that's, that's what I tell myself every day when I start to break games down and I've got this, I'll have a list and, you know, there's always more games on my list than what I end up playing and what I end up giving out when I end up playing. And it's really because, I have to like tell myself throughout the day, like all of these could potentially lose, even though I think they're all really good bets. The five games that I have in front of me right now are all like potential losers. And every time I bet one of those games, it's, it's a, it's the guy on the other side of the counter is getting odds on me. So what, what ones, if any are worth, giving the guy on the other side of the counter the odds against, against me on. And it's just like, but it is like the constant battle of, because of course, like, I mean, I, there's days, I, it's just a, it's a constant battle. Sometimes I'll have four games. I really like, I'll play two of them and the two I don't play win. And then it's just like, it can be super frustrating when that happens. That, well, Adam, that's yeah. a good when Now that you bring that up, that's a question I wanted to ask you. What makes you play on something and what makes you pass? Do you have like a, you know, we talk about Kmart has a great system during final four. He killed it. Um, you know, we'll talk about that maybe on another pod, how Kmart like deciphers, but, or what qualifies, but 
what makes you say, okay, I'm going to neglect this one. Cause Matt and I talk all the time. I'm like, shit, we neglected this one. That, that was like right on the edge of like the, play. It's right? like the, in my opinion, it's the hardest part. That's the hardest part at this point where I'm at. Like to me, that's the hardest part. The hardest part is I, I can get to the games. I, I, I can pare my list down pretty quickly at this point just from doing this for a long time. But the hardest part is just, you know, playing too many, playing too few, leaving off ones that went like it. But for me, I, in terms of, you know, what do I look for? I'll, I'll have the games that I think are, are worthy of playing. And then I try to look at the market and I prefer my plays to be back by like market conditions. So, you know, if I kind of can detect sharp money against me, I'm usually throwing it out. If I see that a side I like looks pretty sharp, then I'm usually, it's going to probably push me over to edge to, to, to make that play, but it's, there's no exact science really. It's, it's really just, I mean, it's just sort of feel at this point, you know, especially with baseball, I'll keep a notebook and, you know, I know at this point that there are certain pitchers that when they come up again, that I'm, I'm looking to play on like five days in advance. So if I, I'll kind of know after a pitcher makes a start and I'll make a little note of it. And I'll, I'll say, you know, obviously we don't know what's going to happen five days from now, but you know, look, look to try to hope, hope this guy is in a, in a situation to play on him in five days. And then mm-hmm. the five days, the five days will come up and I'll reevaluate and I'll say, okay, I made a note. I know I wanted to play Trevor Rogers, his next start. What's the deal? What, what, you know, what is the sort of overlay now? Who's he playing against? Where's the money going? And, you know, is, is the team coming in in a situation that's favorable? What do the bullpens look like? And I just will kind of do that. And so that might lead me to a play with baseball. NBA, I, I really just kind of like kind of dip in and out. It's it's not – I'm not as like – I really just kind of play like spots in the NBA. I thought Giannis might not play tonight. That's why I, I, I took a shot with the Hawks plus, plus four. He played – he didn't play particularly well, but like – he played whatever and Atlanta didn't play very good, but mm-hmm. you know, it's a lot of feel. And then just like, for me, it's a lot of feel and just trying to assess the market and not be on the wrong side of the market. I guess that's like the best way I could sort of describe like how I sort of figure out what to play and what not to play. For sure. Do you neglect, uh, do you not do any first fives? I know last year we saw the, the, um, bullpens just blow up. You know, we saw these teams that, especially poopy teams, would would be up first five and then they blow it. Right, someone oh. would come in and lose. Do you do you? I know recently you've only played full nine, but do you ever look towards that? Is that something you you do or? You know, I I look at it. I've always been more of a so the way I handicap. I I handicap the bullpen. And a lot of my plays are, are bullpen contingent. I try not to bet starting pit. Like, obviously the starters are a factor, but I try not to like make baseball bets on the starting pitchers. 
Like I want the starting pitcher to just be one small component of, of why I'm going to bet in a spot. That's and awesome. so for me, and, and this might go back to like being an athlete, you know, way long ago or whatnot, but like, I don't like first half bets either because I just, at any point in my playing career, was I ever like, I need to win the first half of the game. So it's just like, I feel like there's a little bit of randomness now. I'm sure there's a lot of people that would disagree with that. And they said, you know, you, you, I'm sure that there's, you know, the numbers people, right. That, that are like, especially you get to football and totals. Listen, I'm not going to disagree with anyone. I'm, I'm sure you can get, you know, a good sharp bet in on a first half total. I know the, the one of the sharpest markets there is out there is uh, totals in college basketball. A uh-huh. lot of which are, are uh, you know, our first half and whatnot. Right. For me, I've never been like a first half, much of a first half better. And I've never been much of a first five baseball better because I don't, I, I just really try to have the starting pitching is just like one component. And really I'm looking more at the teams that I'm playing more so than like, it's like a bonus to have an edge in the starting pitching department. However, if I don't have an edge in the starting pitching department, I'm usually not betting it. It's like, I want to have, and that's another thing that helps me keep the, keep the plays sort of at a minimum is because I want to have the starting pitching edge. I'd like to have the bullpen edge too. I'd like to have the better lineup or at least what I perceive to be the better lineup. So that's kind of, it, it, it keeps my sort of bet totals down, but yeah, I mean, I don't like, there's definitely value. I mean, if you just, are totally going to go off the pitching matchup and you have a starting pitcher you love and the bullpen metrics aren't very good, then I mean, yeah, it probably makes sense to look at first five as an option. I just, it's just not not the way I personally have bet over the years. All my numbers are that I track are full game numbers. So I don't know. I've always been, I've always been hesitant to just jump into first five because I feel like my, uh, my info and my numbers wouldn't translate the same, but it's, it, it again, I'm not going to like put anyone off of doing it. It's just, it's just not really how I, I look at baseball and actually really all sports to be honest with you. So. Right. I'm looking at the Marlins today up three, two or up three, nothing actually going into the fifth. Yeah, Braves get two in the fifth. Marlins are actually up six five going into the bottom of the ninth, and bullpen blows it. So I know, but you can point to a lot of those. I mean, yeah. that's we we saw them do that before. I think like a week ago. Oh, they have the they. Well, I didn't catch the end of that game today, but if Anthony Bass is still closing games, they got to they got to get him right <laughs> off that spot because he oh, has yeah. well, he has a list. Couple this year. And, um, yeah, I mean, that's like, you know, that's a, a tough one, but yeah, of course, if you like the Marlins today, the way to play it would have been the, you know, the first five. I actually look, I actually look, that was probably, that was probably, if I was going to bet a baseball game today, it would have been Marlins, but I would have, I would have done plus one. So it was a big enough money line 
where the plus one came out to like minus one Oh five. And so that would have, that would have ended up pushing, but you know, still, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a rough one. And of course, anytime that happens, like your, your instinct is like not going to get burned by the bullpen again, not going to, you know, next time I got to bet first five, but I don't know. The bullpens are, are, are part of the game. The funny thing is that the Marlins actually, that while we're on the topic, their bullpen numbers are actually not bad. We've just—it's just they've blown—they've blown a couple games, but their bullpen metrics are not terrible, which is like—I I don't know what to even really make of that. But you know, that's—you know—I I try to look at stuff like that and say, like, it's gonna—you know—especially like with a team like the Marlins that have blown a couple already, but their bullpen metrics are pretty good. Like, I'll look to bet Marlins on the full game coming up when I get a favorable matchup, because I think that the, the blowing games will, it's like everything kind of trends back toward the mean at some point. So if you're, you know, if you're, if they're putting up numbers that are like top third of the league in terms of like whip and like some of the other like deeper uh, metrics, they're probably not just going to keep blowing games. Like, They'll make, you know, and if it's one guy, like we were talking about Bass, they'll get him out of there and they'll put someone else in that sort of high leverage role and they'll start winning. They'll start closing games out. So, you know, I, I, I personally, I think there's like value in assessing the bullpens. Like I think you can get more the, like the starting pitching matchups are kind of obvious sometimes it like, it's obvious who, the better starter is in a lot of, in a lot of cases, but no one talks about the bullpens and a lot of like, there's oftentimes that you can get a pretty big discrepancy in the two teams with what, you know, the caliber of their bullpen, but that always isn't reflected in the line. So that's another reason I, I look to full game because I feel like I can find an edge a lot of times with, you know, by just backing the better bullpen or fading the, the lesser bullpen. And, and really, I just hope that all the stars can align and my, my bet will have a starter that I like, a bullpen they wanna, that I want to fade. And, and that's, yeah, that's kind of what I look at. That's awesome. Thanks for, you know, describing why you do what you do. That's good because a lot of times people just, you know, they're sporadic. They'll do this, that, that's what Dennis does. He'll go one day, he'll go first quarter, first half game. Then next time we're like, He'll just do game, and we're like, oh, he's not doing first half, so he'll – we never know, and he just doesn't have a system, and he just goes all over, and that's obviously why people like that uh, are not successful. Uh, yeah, and, if, and if the, what I will say is this quick. Um, I don't keep any real fancy database or fancy numbers. Uh, fan graphs, like three bucks a month, and it's got everything there. So I strongly encourage if you're betting baseball – Spend the three dollars a month to get yourself a Fangraphs subscription, and you have more you have more numbers than you will know what to do with right at your fingertips. So nice. that, that goes right. back to what we talked about earlier with putting in the time and the research and use. Yeah. I mean, there, there is so much information out there, tools, resources. Um, like you said, it, it's all out there. It's just finding the time and really learning especially with sport like baseball that is so numbers driven yeah definitely well baseball probably the 
baseball to me is the one, I mean, you have to, you have to dig into the numbers with, with baseball, because I feel like, I feel like that's where the edge comes from in baseball. I think you can be successful betting football or basketball by picking your, like by really just picking a spot. But I really think you need to have a grasp on the numbers to bet baseball. It's such a numbers game that it's like, and things generally play to the numbers in baseball eventually. So I, I, I really think that, yeah, baseball is, it's much harder to just pick your spots over the course of an 162 game baseball season where you're just like trying to pick like win or loser in like a good spot. I, to me, it's far more numbers oriented where I think, whereas I think like during the NFL or college football and so on and so forth, I think you could probably do okay. if You're just like pretty strict about like, okay, well, I know I want to play. Like I want to play against this team coming off a loss or you can, you can play the schedule a little bit and you can see like Michigan's playing like their third straight road game, stuff like that, like plays in those other sports, but baseball, you have to, you have to have a grasp on the numbers, I think, or you, or you shouldn't bet it in my opinion. Really good. And I think Matt and Kim are, I think we should, uh, it's great because, you know, Adam's really great at, you know, KBO and MLB. And it's great to, you know, find, you know, listen to him and where he finds value, but yeah, we'll do another one. Um, you know, come playoff basketball and uh, we'll have Adam back on for football and we'll talk more about what we can do to be successful during those sports too, you know? Yeah. Adam, thanks so much for coming on. We really appreciate your time. Uh, just remind people where you're at on Twitter. Sure. So you can find me um, at Top Flight SI on Twitter. So the Twitter handle at Top Flight SI. You can also now find me on sportsmemo.com. All of my stuff is on there as well. So sportsmemo.com at Top Flight SI. I, I do run a paid service, but I, I try to post as much as I can for free. Uh, and, you know, if you ever have a question about sports betting, shoot me a DM. I'll get back to you within 24 hours. I answer every single message. So happy to try to help. And, you know, if I can el- 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 eliminate someone making a stupid mistake that I did 10, 15 years ago, happy to, happy to try to do it. So awesome. Love it. All right. Uh, I think that we'll call it a pod. So Chris, just remember for all the people out there, if you decide to bet on poop, I bet the Rockies I'm looking at poop. <laughs> <laughs> awesome.